Hello, 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 and welcome to the first episode of On the Edge with Eddie, Detangling Our Black Identities. I am your host, Eddie Etsy. I am excited you are joining our journey to explore all the different shades of blackness, have real conversations and discussions. Our conversations, stories, and discussions are not meant to degrade this courage or prove a point. Exploring our black identities is about learning, empowering, giving people a voice to tell their stories, and at times beat that voice for people who don't feel comfortable speaking out. I will be starting every single episode with that intro along with the hashtag not all black people are the same. Now, since this is the first episode, I want to set some ground rules and make you aware of certain things while we detangle our black identities on this journey. First, throughout this journey, I will gradually remove layers of myself and take you on my journey of resilience, tenacity, and hard work. A small boy from Angloga in the Volta region, Ghana, made it against all odds to become chief technology officer, founder and chief executive officer of a nonprofit organization, Eddie's Teddies Incorporated. Make sure you check us out at eddiesteddies.org. A businessman, a leader, an innovator, and now a podcaster. Now, I should also tell you, English is not my first language. Therefore, you will hear me say a lot of ums, likes, like ums, like um, um, like. I use these terms when I am searching for words to express my emotions. There are times that I will say things in my native language of Ewe, or perhaps Chui, another Ghanaian language, but I will do my best to translate my emotions and thoughts into the English language for all my listeners. Third, I don't believe people are racist. Well, except for a small population, which I'll rather not talk about. But, I believe the systematic and the social construct identities of black and brown people empowers people to act in a racist way. Fourth, I am a black man. Yes, black man I am. I am not here to speak of all of the other struggles. My perceptions are of a black man and the struggles that come with it. Half of the time, I don't even know what black women's struggles are, and I am married to one. I am here to learn, and I hope you are too. When I use the identity black people, it does not apply to all black or brown people. Likewise, when I use the identity white people, it does not apply to all whites or Caucasians. Finally, There will be things on this podcast that may offend you 
or allow you to explore different feelings you've never experienced. I will encourage and challenge you to explore those emotions and use it as a teachable moment. Just know, as hard as it is for you to hear, it is sometimes twice as hard for me or my guests to speak about these experiences. As the great Nelson Mandela said on his long walk to freedom, no one is born hating another person because of the color of his or her skin, or his or her background, or his or her religion. People must learn to hate. And if they can learn to hate, they can be thought to love. For love comes naturally to the human heart than its opposite. Now, my goal for this podcast is to bring together people by listening and learning from one another. In turn, empowering each of us to understand our intersectionalities. So, the question is, why now? Why start a podcast about Black identities? Well, as you all know, this year, 2020, was a very strange year. With all of the issues around the world, and then COVID-19, and of course, with all the social injustice movement, I got the chance to do a lot of self-reflection. A reflection of who I am as a person, a husband, a father, a brother, a son, a leader, a technologist. (laughs) See what I'm doing there? Those are all my identities. My identity is not just who I am or what I am as a race. But really though, I had time to reflect on how people may or may not see me. Do they see me as just a black man? Or am I to them something else than just a black man? Now, the awakening of the social injustice movement intensified because of the death of a black man, George Floyd. I will be remiss if I don't say anything about the death of another innocent black man or black woman. So in the spirit of storytelling, I would like to paint a picture of how an innocent black man's death started a chain reaction that will open the door for many uncomfortable conversations. Cue music. A man was pressed down into a concrete with a solid 200 pounds sitting directly on his neck. He cried out for water. Water, a basic need. He cried out for his deceased mother. And once he realized he could no longer breathe, he cried out for mercy. And then he begged for his life. He begged for his life. His nose bled and he lost control of his bladder. And yet he remained trapped and handcuffed under the weight of an officer's knee. Onlookers tried to intervene only to be threatened with pepper spray. When he lost consciousness, the weight of that knee stayed on his neck. 
when first responders demanded they check for a pulse, the officers refused. When an off-duty medical personnel begged the officer to get up, he refused. I know this might be hard for most to understand, but for one second, imagine if George Floyd was your father, your husband, your partner, your child, your best friend. See, for the black community, this is what we face every day. Living in the constant fear and frustration, wondering when this day will come for us. All we seek is to be heard, to be treated as humans with dignity and decency. Having a conversation is not enough anymore. We need to do better as a community. We need to do better as a society. We need to do better as individuals. Because George Floyd could have been me. Now, my story started at a very young age, at 14. I moved to the United States with my mom and dad. Growing up in Ghana, West Africa, what I knew about the United States was what I saw on TV. Although my interactions with the very few white people prior to moving to the United States was with British, with the British, which is a whole different conversation for another day. The United States of America, the perception that I have of this country was a great country, welcoming, loving, filled with opportunity for everybody. Before I moved to the United States, I thought the United States was practically a doorstep into heaven. I mean, after all, we all know that Jesus was a white man from all the documentaries and the movies that I've seen. Now, so imagine my surprise at a very tender, tender age of 14 when I was trying to find my identity. No, not black or brown, Ghanaian or American, myself. Who and what I wanted to be when I grew up. As a black boy from Africa, I had big dreams. I wanted to become a bank manager while playing soccer. Side note, I don't quite understand why Americans call it soccer and call football football. I mean, you play football with your hands 95% of the time. Anyway, <laughs> side comment ended. I will work hard, steady hard, practice hard. I will achieve all my dreams because that is what America is all about. Little did I know there exists a concept called culture shock. It was like moving from a nice, warm, hot tub to being dumped into a freezing cold ocean with sharks. <laughs>
And I mean, it looked like the sharks enjoyed the freezing cold water. As a Ghanaian boy, a South African, I felt lost. Didn't know how to fit into this new culture of high school. And I thought, oh, maybe if I can hang out with other people who look like me, right? So let me go find all the other black kids, all the brown kids that look like me and hang out with them. But little did I know, or I quickly learned that not all black people are the same. Hence, the hashtag, not all black people are the same. First, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only person experiencing this. But come to find out, my two little sisters who moved to the United States with me were feeling exactly the same. So what I've done with this episode is I have invited both of my sisters, Alam, who is a doctor, and Elma, who is a nurse, to have a conversation about our experiences when we first moved to the United States. Fear not, listeners. I will continue my story of resilience and tell you all about how I was told I was not smart enough to be in college, I was not tall enough to make it in any sport, and on top of it all, I was destined to be a supervisor at McDonald's. But before we get all those stories started, I want you to enjoy the conversation or maybe even learn something from the conversation with me and my awesome sisters. Warning, my sisters are as crazy as I am. And you will hear the use of the N-word twice during the conversation. All right, so I am here with my sisters. Um, usually, we, people refer to us as the three E's, the three amigos, mostly because all of our names start with an E, ends with an E. Um, there's Elam and uh, Cote d'Ivoire, and then there's Alma in Ghana. And I Hi. thought this is the best opportunity to actually just talk through sort of our experiences when we moved to the United States. Um, because, you know, these two ladies have been by my side. Well, not since I was born because I was, I'm the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been by their side and, you know, they came, you know, three years and eight <laughs> years later, but um, you know, you know, again, same mother, same father, same everything. And, you know, they're, they're my go-to. And I, I couldn't, you know, start this podcast without actually bringing them in and having the conversation with them. Uh... So, um, Drell, Alma, welcome to On the Edge with Eddie, Detangling Black Identities. We wow. are going to have a good time. Wow. Thank you for inviting us, Uncle Eddie. Thank you, Uncle Eddie. Yeah, so I should say, I should say, um, when we get together, um, it's crazy because we have so much fun. 
we laugh a lot and we have such a good time. And I should warn you, since Elam is in Cote d'Ivoire and Elma is in Ghana, and then I'm in the States, there's probably going to be some lag between conversations. So maybe one of them might be talking and then all of a sudden, like, they drop out. I will try to fill the gap. <laughs> if that happens, we'll sort it out. So just bear with us. But anyway, so... Yes. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what it was like coming from Ghana, right? So I remember um, it was 92. Um, dad goes to the U.S. And I remember we used to call dad on the phone um, at the, uh, what is it? What, what was that place that we used to Science. go to? Science. 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 Yeah. The tone booth. Right? The tone <laughs> Yeah, so way 92, there was no telephone. So we used to go to like the toll booth and talk to dad. And then we got the news that oh, we are going to America. Hey, come on, <laughs> you know, like we told all our friends in class. Yo, like, oh, yeah, I know. We are going to America. America. We are going to America, which was crazy because. We didn't even know anything about America at that time because when we talked to Daddy, he was like, "Oh, it's snow," and we're like, "Snow? What does snow look like?" What, what is like, snow? Hey, what is snow? We didn't even know what snow. Was. Oh, Charlie. So anyway, we pack all our things and we go through this whole intensive visa process. And I yeah, think the visa yeah, with me part, being the problem. Yeah, they said Alma was unhappy, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, yeah, I remember yes. going, even getting a visa to come to America with uh, with Mama. Uh, the U.S. government said Alma was adopted; that she wasn't uh, <laughs> she wasn't real, right? And I remember we had to go through this whole issue before we can get oh Alma God. a visa. Meanwhile, we all yeah, went at the I, same time. <laughs> I know. I think Mama had to do like a DNA test or something. Or she had to do a DNA test or something like that. And then and even I remember that, Daddy had to send letters. Yep. We had to go oh. look for his. I Dude. mean, like our uncles, we never saw, we never met. You know, <laughs> just so that they're like, oh yeah, that's his child, etc., etc. You and remember all of that? I remember Uncle Ben, they had to call Uncle Ben, call somebody from Cape Coast, and they had to come and say, oh, yeah, you know, I was there when she was born, the midwife. I was like, ah, wait. Right. And that's all, that's oh, all yeah. even before we left Ghana to come to America, right? Yeah. So, you know, thank God we finally, didn't, we didn't have to leave Elma back in Ghana. <laughs> And we, all, we all made it to America. We get on the fly. We all dressed up. But I have to say, the outfits, though, I mean, what we were wearing. I, I know. know. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Mama. Mama was like, listen, it's going to be very cold. So, wait, this and wait, this and wait. We wore, I think, about five layers of clothing. Yeah. <laughs> come on, slit. Yes. Oh, and man. And I, I remember like, wearing oh some suits. Some suits, like yeah. old school suits from like 1960s or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh man, I just remember it was so uncomfortable. I was like, oh my God, feeling so hot. <laughs> In the point, and you couldn't uh -huh. take it off. 
Uh, oh, and then yeah, so we get to like, Oh no, it's going to get cold. It's going to get cold. Yeah, and then so we get to Chicago for the first time, right? And we get oh out yeah, of the I airport, remember. And then there's this wind, this cold wind just slapping us <laughs> on our face. I think we, that was the first time we could actually see ourselves breathe. Right? Yes. No. Yes. Uh, it, yeah, it was like, what is that coming out of my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was crazy times. So we finally, yeah. somebody picked us up from Chicago and it was a three hour yeah. drive. It was in the middle of the night. I think it was like 11 p.m. or something yes. like that. And this was- I think October. I slept because I don't remember any of this. Yeah, this was like October <laughs> yeah. 30th. I well, think. yeah, you were like four or something, four or five. No, so. she was eight. <laughs> I think she was eight. No, 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 no. I was five. I was no, five. No, she was like five. Oh. She was, I was five. five. Dang, that's forever ago. So she probably doesn't remember half the trip. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally made it to Because I remember, yeah. Right? We finally yeah. made it to Iowa. We didn't see anything in the middle of the night. We get to Hawkeye Drive. And we finally meet, like, we get into our houses. And we go into our apartment. And it's a two-bedroom apartment. And the three of us are going to share one room. And then mom and dad sure. in the other room. Yes, yeah, my first experience of a bunk bed. I was like, whoa, there are two beds in one. Right. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there was I don't the bunk bed experience, right? I was like, wow. All three of us are going to be in a room together and it's a bunk bed. And wait, somebody can sleep on top and someone's sleeping on the bottom. And I think I yeah. oh, I don't know if I think I was sleeping on the top. I don't remember. Because I thought someone was afraid someone was going to roll over and fall down or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, so, so we finally make it to our city. It's October, like October 30th. The following day is October 31st, and it's Halloween. It's Halloween. Okay? Now, we have no idea what Halloween is. We're sitting at home at night, and there's this knock on the door. <laughs> With this kids going trick or treating, right? <laughs> and so we're sitting, we're in the house. Everything is exciting, and there's this knock on the yeah. door. Yeah. And Mama is afraid to open the door, and she looks outside as usual, <laughs> and she sees all these creatures outside the door. Right? <laughs> you guys, you tell me what happens when Mama sees things outside the door. <laughs> was freaking out she went on oh my god oh my god come let's pray let's pray that demons outside that demons outside that demons outside i see witches i see demons come let's pray let's pray let's pray and we're always like oh my god oh my god are they coming to catch us are they coming to catch us right so <laughs> of course we, I don't we also this. enjoyed it we are like praying yep <laughs> Yep. I remember like mama did not open the door and she was so scared. She's like, everybody get over here. Let's stop praying right now. The demons are outside. <laughs> They're knocking on our door. They followed us from Ghana. And I mean, this is like the second day we're in America and the demons are already here at our door. Lord Jesus. Man, oh, I, it was man. funny because 
And, oh and, man! Like we, like we praise. I mean, I, I have never prayed so hard in my life ever because there were demons <laughs> knocking on the door. I know, right? Yep. Come to find out, <laughs> that's what they do in America. It's trick or treat. Kids dress up yeah. and knock on the door for candy. But I mean, I was like, hey, go, 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 me, va, me, do, bro, me, va, me, do. That that was our first experience in America. Oh, man. Um, yeah, the second day we get here and our mama calls daddy and was like, why are the demons here? And, you know, and then dad has to explain <laughs> that it was what? It was trick or treat. And Halloween, and yeah. yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Right. So anyway, let's then we start school, okay? Yeah. And oh that yeah. Was, that school. was that was crazy, right? Because again, part of the whole podcast mm-hmm. is talking about identity and you know, sort of detangling uh-huh. people's identity and things like that. So mm-hmm. along that with you, we start school and you go to school for the first time, and your teachers mm-hmm. don't think you speak English. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You tell, know, and tell it me was some stories from the school. Well, yeah, it was it was really interesting because here they are, a new kid, new kid in class. You know, it's like, okay, class, this is Elorm from Africa, you know, and then she goes, Elorm, my name is Miss Taylor. In my head, I'm like, look at this white woman. I would say in my head, God, this woman, she has no idea what she's doing, you know, and then after that, she's like, okay, so you have to go to ESL. I was like, oh, what is ESL? So I got to ESL. And, you know, here are other kids from other, I mean, places like Asia, et cetera, et cetera. And um, here I am. I'm like, ah, why can't y'all read? You just look at the book, read the words, and then that's it. You know, apparently, because English wasn't their, sec- their um, second language or whatever. But, right. you know, funny enough, in Ghana, English is actually our official yeah, this is true. And not a lot of people know that. So in Ghana, English, we speak English, right? So in the classrooms, they teach us English. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, so I'm like, okay, so I felt really, I don't even know, I felt like not superior or whatever. I'm like, you know, this is really stupid. So I think the teacher eventually figured out that, no, I don't really belong in the classroom. I think she kicked me out the very next day or something. Or like in the same week, she sent me back to class. Like, you know what? This girl, she doesn't need to be here. She reads fine. She speaks English fine. She's okay. You know, so... Yeah, so like I, I ESL, I really didn't experience the whole ESL thing because I was really, you know, kicked out like that very week. (laughs) You know, and and I'm coming from yeah, and like my background was, you know, I was like the first or second in my class all the time from where I was coming from. So I was like super above average in ESL. (laughs) So, and but like the whole thing that okay, girl from Africa. You know, speak English, you go ESL. I mean, that was classic, you know? And I mean, like, without even relating or talking to the person, you automatically assume, okay, from Africa, obviously means you can't speak English. I mean, which is totally horrible, you know? (laughs) So I went back in class and I think I picked up just okay. 
um you know but of course this was different for me because my class in ghana was there were like 45 students remember ed there were so many people in that class and then here i have like 20 people 21 people you know so that was a plus and um miss miss taylor oh she was an angel she was really sweet so when she figured out that okay no the girl really speaks English and she's okay she's smart you know I think she um started to help me to you know just get used to the class of course I was singled out most of the time because I didn't have any friends uh I, I mean like nobody really wanted to be my friend except the international kids you know so that was that was one of the major challenges because I felt isolated you know even when I tried to be friends with this black kid from Zambia or Zimbabwe. You know, he was like, no, no, I'm American. You African. I'm like, please, we're, <laughs> we're both from Africa. <laughs> you know, but like for him, yeah. he, I think he was there a year before. So he was a bit accustomed to, um, you know, some things and he, he had more friends than I did. So even my own fellow African didn't want to be friends with me, you know, so that was hard, you know, but well, it's crazy because um, like, like you mentioned, right. So making friends. So again, we get yeah. here from Ghana, we, we come from a place that's all black and then we get to America uh-huh. and we get into Iowa, which is all white. Right. And you find other, people, yeah. you find other black people which it, it's mm-hmm. very small of them to begin yeah. with school, but you can't mm-hmm. be friends with them, right? Again, I had the same experience in yeah. high school. And yeah. I was trying to like try to be friends with people yeah. who look like me, right? But I couldn't because, mm-hmm. you know, they they were like, you African. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm African? You black, I'm black. Are we both African? But <laughs> there there is this thing. Yeah, that, I know, right? That like, if you're African, you're not black in America, right? And that was hard making friends um, when we first got here. And so we hang around each other a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was easier for us to make friends with uh, white people at church, right? Versus black people, right? Yes, Um, yeah. Right, so Elma, I I remember Uh one of Elma's best friends were like this. I I, I don't remember what the the girl's name was like. This white girl that Elma used to play with. Julie. Yeah, Julie. Julie Brock. Yeah. And it was crazy because it was easier for Elma to be friends with uh, Julie than be friends with the other black kids in the neighborhood mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, you guys are African um, because you sound British. Mm-hmm. You, have, you sound different, right? Um, I don't know, Elma, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, Elma, you're you're breaking up, but when Elma gets back, <laughs> you can tell us about mm-hmm. that. Um, so anyway, Elma, back to school. Yeah. You went through that whole thing. Your teacher was like, do you speak English, you know? Um, English. But I remember there was another example that, um, Emma, let us know when you're back. There was another example that, I don't know if it was you, Ella, or Emma, that they asked if you have a pet animal called uh, a pet lion or elephant. Who was it? <laughs> I knew that was Elma, but I got asked whether we live on trees, you know? <laughs> so like they asked, okay, so like, do you have like houses? Do you live in houses? You know, like how's African, like do you live on trees? You know, I'm like, <laughs> what? When right. I live in a house, 
I'm back. sure my house was okay. even bigger than your house. You right, know exactly. I mean? Yes. You know? Yeah. No, it was crazy because, like, I'm yeah. back. I'm back. Hi, Elma. Yeah. So it was crazy because in Ghana, we all had our rooms. And then we get to America and we're all the, yeah. the three of us in the one room. And then we go to school and they're asking us, like, do you guys sleep on trees? Um, Elma, were you the one that somebody asked if you had a pet lion? <laughs> or a yep. pet elephant? I, I remember I remember when I started class, you know, like first grade, and then I didn't have lots of hair. My hair was short and everything. And then I get to class as usual. Hi, can you speak English? I'm like, yeah. And, you know, I was like super shy. Like, you know, being like five, six years, like you're super shy and they're asking you these questions. You know how to answer them. You say, yeah. And then they start asking questions, you know, recess. Then the kids come around you touching your skin, your hair. Yeah, that's like, horrible. Like, you know, they're touching you and they're asking you, do you, do you have a pet lion when you were back home? Did you have your own what? I mean, like asking so many questions. And it's like, wait, <laughs> why are you asking me all these questions? And then after that, then they take me to ESL. I mean, my ESL was horrible because I was in ESL from first grade to sixth grade. I think they thought I was like dumb or something. <laughs> oh, that was man. Time. Right. I mean, like, well, I I mean, well part, of it, part of it is though, was- like when, when you were on ESL, Alma, it's like you went there and you just sat there, right? So you were a bit shy initially. So you, it wasn't like you were talking. So since you weren't talking <laughs> and you're in a foreign land and you didn't know any anybody or you didn't know how to like sort of talk back. Like because, exactly. Right, people thought you just didn't know how to speak English. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right? Seriously. Yeah. You just I just entered a country and I don't know anybody. And then you're expecting me like, you know, to be hyper and all. I think that's where my shyness actually came in. Because I was shy from like that first grade to sixth grade. Because it's like, I see how everything goes and then I can't fit in anywhere. It's like, I mean, my class, I think apart from me, there was only one black kid. (laughs) Recess, nobody (laughs) talks to me. (laughs) I mean, recess, nobody talks to me. Like, so I think I only immersed myself into books. And so like books became my best friend. Like every time I'm reading a book, (laughs) I mean, all the time. So I think like, I mean, my, my experience there, I, I mean, like seriously, then you finally adjust and then suddenly they're like, you got to come back. <laughs> yeah. So no, but you know, I remember, I, know, before oh, we do that, go ahead, Emma, I don't know how you, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I don't know how it was with you guys, but one of the things that was really different for me was the school cafeteria. Oh, I yes. had, we don't have school cafeterias in my old school. Like we don't know what put to kids together in one room, sit on the table and chair and eat. We don't and know eat. what that is. Yep. Like serve food on trays, whatever. No. I, so I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> you know that so they're gonna give all of us food. Right. You know, like you don't have to buy food or you know bring food from home. They're gonna give us food. You know, and for me, I was like, wow, the food is really nice because the food was different but i really liked it because it was different from what i knew you know and i I, because i usually i cleaned out my tray you know meanwhile people like oh ew what is this this is disgusting i'm like no give me your food give me give me give me me your food (laughs) 
you know, this is really nice because I mean, it was not what I I was used to, and yeah, you know, it was also yeah. difficult because I was alone. Yeah. I sat at a table by myself. By yeah, yeah exactly, friends, exactly. You yep. know, with my tray. Um, mm-hmm. Then, um, well, with time, like I, as as Ed said, we became friends with other nationalities instead of other black people. Right. You know, so I had you know, Korean friends, I had Thai friends, um, you know, different different nationalities instead of other black people. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. so with time it helped us. I, I had you know a little clique of international students around me, um, you know, that helped out <clears throat> greatly. You know, and then but that yeah, that was. That was really that was interesting, but I think I found my identity in elementary school when it came to PE. You know, like I'm an athlete. So when it, we got to yep. PE, all of a sudden yep. I had friends because right. I could play kickball. <laughs> you can run. Pick this go. But Elora, we long to be on your team because I can kick, I can run. You know, because I mean, I grew up with a brother, an older brother, and I mean, two other brothers. So yep. I was a tomboy. So they made me run and kick so much that I was, <laughs> I was, it was part of me. So when it got to recess and PE, all of a sudden, everybody wanted to be my friend. Then after PE, nobody they don't know you friend. anymore. <laughs> you know, I think, yeah. yeah, you know, I, so I think I really uh, like PE because. I felt part of something, you know. It was it was it was nice being chosen, you know, when nobody liked you. But that was <laughs> the know? that was the only time yeah. you were chosen. Uh, let's be fair. The only time you were chosen, yeah, is when you were a PM because you were really good and they wanted to win, right? So it wasn't like they yeah. liked you or anything. Yeah. Um, and let's be straight. So to be honest, um, like you were saying, Alam is like the one the smartest one in the whole family let's let's, let's just let's just yep. put that out there like she is she's the she's like the genius in the family because <laughs> like when we're in school like <laughs> i don't like i don't like school i don't like reading i'm usually out playing soccer or you know playing something or <laughs> killing killing birds with a catapult or something like that always like out of 40 people in all her classes, she's usually in the top three in every three. single subject, right? <laughs> so coming I know. to America and just like being looked at, well, do you even speak English? That was like a shock. <laughs> it was a shock to all of us. I'm sure it was yeah. a shock to you to begin with. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Elma was like, was like people, Elma is like a people person. And she loves mm-hmm. people and she loves like, you know, being around people. And for her, it was just like being isolated. And now she doesn't have any friends <laughs> or know anybody. And the people who look at her, oh, the look at her you're sad. like, oh, you're a little African girl. And we just pet you on the head and, oh, okay, it's okay. it'll be okay. It'll be okay kind of thing. So it was crazy coming to America, right? Because America is not what we thought it was going mm-hmm. to be. That's not what we saw on TV, right? Um, no. Ellen, and then, no. Ellen, so, Ellen, you got to junior high and then everything else changes, right? Well, yeah. All, going back to the cafeteria comment, yeah. we also have lockers, right? We get to school and we have yes. lockers. And I'm like, why do we have places yeah. that we can put our stuff? 
this is this is crazy. So you have lockers. And then so you get to junior high and things get all crazy again because from elementary school through junior mm-hmm. high, the whole culture change, right? Um, tell mm-hmm. us some stories about junior high and all the nightmares of junior high as a Ghanaian in America. <laughs> well, junior high was a bit better um, because, well, now I had, I knew people, I knew friends, I knew the system a bit more. But once again, um, we have the classic, you know, junior high, you have the classic, the, the cliques, you know, you have like the popular group, then you have like the druggies, and then you have like just, you know, the misfits, you right. know, <laughs> so I was with the misfits, you know, I had like, I had friends who were like, you know, drug addicts and they drink and I had like, you know, these, um, it's a mix and match. I had like new kids that came to the school and then I had some international people. And it's like, so I was kind of like with the mix. And I think one of my friends was, was um, also, well, then, then uh, politically speaking now, I, I don't know what the word to use, but he was gay back then, right. you know? So it's like, we were with the gay and the lesbian kids and then the drug addicts and, you know, so it's like, that was my crew. I mean, and I love them because they made me feel special. They right. made me feel part, you know, we we're not with the popular kids and all of that, you know. But one thing I remember about uh, junior high was that was the first place I was ever called the N-word. Yeah, somebody actually called me nigger in, once again, cafeteria. <laughs> you know, in and funny high. enough, this wasn't actually from oh like in quotes white person it was from a hispanic boy you know i'm like you have the audacity to call me nigger i mean we're all immigrants here you know what i'm saying you know but i remember i was i felt so i was sad i think i went to the bathroom to cry because i knew what the word meant i knew the implications and all of that you know so that was that was one of the major um um, well, nightmares and horrible things that happened to to me in junior high, and the teachers, you know, <clears throat> teachers treat you like you know you don't. It's like okay, you're from Africa, you don't know much, you know, and um, right. that was also a challenge. Just like a couple of teachers, I remember my biology teacher. Well, maybe that's why I'm a doctor today. I don't know, Mr. Weimer. He was great. He was super. Brad Weimer. He was always. Yep. Yeah, you remember Weimer? Yeah. Brad Weimer, you know, yeah. So he was great. He was super. I think he made me like biology so much that I decided to become a doctor today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but apart from that, I don't remember any other teacher. I think all the other teachers are just mean or something like that. You know, but and I also once again found my identity in junior high when it came to track. So now all yeah. of a sudden I entered the cool girls clique. You know, because now um, I was part of like the little, like the top of the, in the, in the little click of the, the, the fastest in the right. track team. Yes. So we had to go on track meet elsewhere. And, you know, I, I think I felt, I think that was like my thing, my go-to thing, you know, if whatever I get, a, I feel I had a bad day, whatever I know when we get to track practice i get to hang out with all the cool girls and you know <laughs> yeah so that the high school that was like my only safe place um the track track practice track meets you know and um 
um, um, yeah, and then that, and, and you know, with junior high, the the separations and the cliques were so it was like black and white. It wasn't like elementary school where it was trying to be there, not trying to be there. But junior high was clear cut. You are not here. You don't fit in. You are in this clique and that clique. You know, and and <clears throat> and even though it was, I mean, I just I just found people just like me, and I was okay with it. You know, but yeah, junior high was was a very interesting experience. <laughs> Once again, uh, yep. uh, for us, but you know? a, so yeah, we went to the same thing. junior high. Me and Ed, but Ed, <clears throat> I, I mean, yeah, you left before I got there, so like yeah, I, I had nobody to protect me. Unlike high school, you know, where I like I had my own protector, but junior high is like okay. And then Elma, on the other hand, didn't have a protector anymore in um elementary school because oh, elementary smart. school i was kind of also watching her back and you know scared away all the little kids who used to laugh at her <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> so let's first on alma so, so yeah, alma, was... like so you i don't did, I, did alma start junior high before we came back to ghana i don't remember no she didn't did no she, she didn't she start junior high last six right Yes, um, she she. I think she was in sixth grade when we left, yes. or fifth grade. Elma, can you hear me? <laughs> so again, I think Elma. We lost Elma, but hopefully she will join us again. Um, yeah. So of course, this is about the time that we're like, you know what? Let's we we're almost to the point that we know who we are. We've made yeah. some friends, and yeah. we're getting to fit in again. This is six years after we we've gone to we've been in the U.S. Um, you know, I started, um, finally started University of Iowa on probation because, you know, nobody wanted me in, in college, um, even though I got a scholarship to go to play soccer at Warburg. So then um, daddy was like, we're moving back. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I felt my world just came crushing down, humbling down so bad. I wanted to just die, literally. So Elma, Elma, welcome back. Um, so we're just talking about how, like, you know, when I was in high school, and my counselor told me that I wasn't going to make it in college, and I should go work at McDonald's and work at Fairway <laughs> and all of that. Um, and then, you know, so Mama went and yanked all of you guys from your regular classes to like uh, smarter classes or AP classes because she was like, my children are not this stupid. Um, but again, I think it was too late for me because I, already, I was already a junior in high school. Um, but then fast forward a couple of years, um, dad was like, yeah, I'm done with my PhD. And we're moving <laughs> back to Ghana. What the H? Why are we going back to Ghana? <laughs> I mean, I, I think for me, it was, it was the hardest because like you know i think for me Girl, I it's not just for like you for all of us because i think i went through <laughs> so many changes and then finally that is like oh you know elma we have to go back and then i think my whole world like just ended <laughs> i'm like <laughs> yeah no it was crazy i mean i remember we all cried like days when that yeah. was like, yeah, we're moving back to Ghana. We're like, but why do we have to move back to Ghana? And the thing is, <laughs> we were all on what well, I think we were on a J, um, a J two visa, 
right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so be, yeah because of the visa, we couldn't go back, right? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I remember there was a farewell at church for us and people were crying and we were crying mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. and we finally moved <laughs> back to I Ghana. Remember. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, why? <laughs> why are we moving back to Ghana? So anyway, it really <laughs> sucked. It really sucked for you, Alon, because you were in high school. You were going to graduate yeah. in like a year or so. Like a year junior, later, I was a junior. Yeah, and then we get to Ghana, and they're like, oh, by the way, you have to start high school all over again. Yeah. And you just flipped <laughs> because again, you're like one of the smart, the smartest person in the whole of the family. And now you they repeated you when you were in America, and now they repeated you when you get to Ghana, right? And you have to start all over. Yeah. Um, and Elma, yeah. Elma, you two, when you got back, they're like, you have to start junior high, I think. Oh no, I think you had to send you back to class six, right, Elma? Uh huh. No, yeah, for I me, for was... me, um, I think I I did the test. For me, I did the test. Oh, okay. And yes. after okay. you know how the American system, American system is different from the Ghanaian system, Correct. right? Yep. So, like, how we study there is different from how we study here. There is more practical. Here is like theory, okay? Yep. So they they make me do a test, and then it's like after the test, they tell me that I failed, but all but. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean like mom they, they were like oh you know you should repeat her and mom is like i am not going to repeat elma <laughs> because the girl has suffered enough so unless you take her like that well other than that i'm sending her to another school and so they convinced the like the headmaster and then I finally stayed and continued. And, you know, it's funny enough, like, after I stayed, I was really shy, um, you know, in the first month. And then after some time, like, you know, I picked up, you know, with the learning and everything. You know, we were higher there than here. Mm -hmm. So after I picked up, I mean, it was really cool because I picked up so fast. Within a month, like, I could, I, I learned the fun tea. I learned the French, I mean, like, I learned everything I needed to learn to be able to move. Right. <laughs> even the teachers were shocked because I was smarter than those who were even in the classroom that came to me. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay. I mean, like, then that's really cool. This girl, even though she's quiet and she's shy, like, but, you know, she's smart. So at least I was able to, you know, conquer, I mean, like, the first year. And then I got promoted and it was like, it was really, I mean, I was really happy. But I mean, I still found it like really hard because, right. you know, it's, it's, I'm, I've moved from a whole new system, a system whereby everything is practical. Like everything, everything you do, you have to like practicalize it before you bring it to theory, you know? And then I come and then it's like, okay, what is a line? I mean, how, how <laughs> like you do triangle, you know, first, you know, they're supposed to show you what a triangle looks like, a diagram and all these things. And then they, they draw a triangle on the board and say, this is a, 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 a triangle. triangle. So this is this. And I'm like, different. Yeah. So and I was like, wait, what? We, but when we first got back to Ghana, though, it wasn't easy trying to fit back into the Ghanaian culture because like, no, nope. we, it was hard as, 
as since we were in America, come to Ghana, like we weren't really accepted because we were seen as, oh, you guys are American kids and you are slanging. Yeah. You, know? you are slanging, yeah. so we don't understand you. So you are American kids. And there were people that were treated as, as we're like Americans instead of Ghanaians. Um, and that happened a lot when you started junior high, right? Yeah. Um, for example, like, you know, some people that actually, I mean, I started getting teased, I mean, all over the place. I mean, the word they were using is brony pete, meaning um, white man vulture. And I'm black. Right. So I was like, wait, how, why do you call me white man vulture when I'm black like you? I mean, right. I was born in Cape Coast. And these are people like I lived in the same neighborhood with, like before we left. So, I mean, like, I mean, it was, for me, it was like the hardest because everywhere I passed, they were, they could insult me, you know? And then you think you're all that, you know? You think you're all that. And I'm like, ah. I mean, I went to suffer in the U.S. and I come here, I'm suffering my own, own land. Right. <laughs> what it, do you it, want it, me it to was, do? It wasn't like anything that you even did. It was just like the it's, fact that see? you sounded different, right? You were still black, That's and you it. sounded different, and you and people are like, "Oh, you are. You think you are better than everybody else with that assumption, even in Ghana, right?" See, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, 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 and then you know, but we, you, you, we made it. Everything is good. Um, sort of like right now, right? And right now we're all older, uh -huh. but we're still going through sort of similar struggles. Um, um, even yeah. you've been in Ghana for a long time, the whole Ghanaian culture, sometimes they look at you and as a, a woman who was grew, who grew up in America and they're like, oh, you think you're too good, right? There's that assumption like you think you're too good because you yep. grew up in America, but that's not yep. the case. Yep, <laughs> yep. Mm. For example, like, you know, I've been in the system, so I know really how the system works, but like, for example, um, I remember when I was in nurses training, right? Yep. I, 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 anytime they ask questions, I usually don't like speaking because I still have that slang in my voice. Yep. And so anytime they ask questions and then it's like, I raise my hand, they're like, oh, she's coming to slang, you know? Oh, and, and I didn't let people know that I had been outside. Right. So only those who were closest to me knew that I had lived like practically my whole practically childhood in the U.S. Right. And then they'll be like, oh, you know, she's, she's coming to do her fake slang again. <laughs> and so it, it got to a point, uh -huh, the fake slang, you know, and then it got to a point it's like, okay, I won't speak again. Because anytime right. I speak, they say I'm faking it or I'm doing something that's like, you know, it's not real. So I just took it out. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm not answering questions in class again. I'm not speaking in class again. If they need information, I'll write it on a piece of paper and give it to them. Because same thing, same thing with me. You know, it was, um, I mean, coming back was a nightmare. I was depressed for like a year. You know, because I, I left all my friends and like Elma said, we were outside. We felt like outsiders, you know, and like Ed said, they see us as American. I'm like, I'm not American. I'm Ghanaian just like you. But I we actually felt different because, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's like, OK, well, this we, we, we don't know this kind of uh, whatever. And especially for me, I had to go back to 
start high school all over again. It was really hard for me. And I think once again, my only friends or the people that wanted to be my friends were other internationals, <laughs> you know? So these are like kids who also came from the States, came from the UK, you know? So once again, we found ourselves as a little clique and all through um, secondary school, high school, we were known as all the American kids. Yep. you know and yeah. we were still yeah. so it's like yeah. it's like the reverse of what we experienced before yeah it's like yeah. it's coming back again mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah you know but um i think it was also a bit different for me because the systems the educational systems were quite different but once again yeah. i was able to um catch up quite a bit quickly and um but yes yeah, still became one of the smartest kids again <laughs> Uh-huh. you know same thing happened there there were clicks yeah. and we were, I felt like an outsider you know once again my click was with other internationals you know um, um, but it was horrible the transition I think it was the maybe I don't know whether it was the worst for me or because well that it was worse because then Ed you left yeah like you were my go-to person and so I remember the night you left, I cried. I think I didn't eat for like one week, you know, because it's like, we're all here together. You're like, you know, I can look up to you and like cry and, you know, like say, no, we can like, like go through this together. Yeah, share you know? experiences. And then exactly. now you just yeah. leave me and I'm alone again. <laughs> well, it was, it was, you know, it and was it was so horrible. Terrible. I mean, going back to Ghana at that age, especially for me, because I started University of Iowa for one year, it was so bad. Um, I get to Ghana and I was so lost that there was no way I could have survived being in Ghana in the education. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Mom was like, we have to send him back. I remember, Uncle Eddie, I remember one of the major differences was also, um, what do you call it, clothing. You know, I remember that was one of the main, even all the way up to university. Yeah. I mean, it's summertime. What we wear, we wear tank tops and shorts. That's like, that's what we wear. Right. You know, then all of a sudden, here we are. That is like, oh, no, you can't wear shorts here. I'm like, it's hot. I know. Why not wear shorts here? You know? And then it's like, no, we don't wear tank tops out. You have to dress this. You have to dress like this. I I don't get it. You know, I remember I had to wear, I had like an anklet and everything, you know. And ring, you know, the rings we put on our fingers. Yeah. Yes. You know, so like clothing was a major challenge for me. Even all the way up to university, you know, I, like I'm a short person. I wear my shorts and I'm walking in the bus. Look, I remember one time one of these hall tutors stopped me and he called me. He's like, young lady, please, we don't wear shorts here. I was like, what? Right. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you don't wear here? shorts here? The weather is hot. Like, I mean, I feel I feel comfortable in shorts, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, so that was a major, major clothing thing was like, I had to now cover up. I had to now wear this you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I was so confused. I didn't like it. I was so confused. You know, I, I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, I was like, oh, I'm wearing, I'm, I'm wearing what fits, what fits for the weather, you know? And, um, 
But yeah, it was tough because dad was always correcting us, always telling us, you can't wear this, you can't do... Yeah. And then, yes, and he always also, no, you can't say this, you can't say that. Can't say when that, you see yeah. somebody, you have to greet the person, uh-huh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. You know, so manners, behavior, clothing, all was a major, you know, transition. Um, but anyway, so I have, of course... Um, enjoy this conversation. We're going to yeah. have a lot yeah, more conversations. Great. This is Loved just the it. Beginning. Um, before I let you guys go, though, if if I give you one minute to send a message to the world, um, what would you tell the world in one minute? Okay. So, Alam, let me t- Alam, let me start with you. You have one minute to tell the world anything you want. What would you want to tell the world? <laughs> Oh, wow, this is hard. Um, well, I think that um, talking about identities, you know, well, first of all, you, you can't judge somebody um, based on where they're coming from or their background because everybody is different, you know. Everybody is um, um, special in their own way, so you can't just automatically just judge anybody because they're from here or they're from here or they're this or they're that, you know? And then also number two, for anybody that's going through, um, what do you call it? Um, these changes, any of these changes that we just shared, um, I, 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 I want to encourage you to find your identity. Well, I think one of the things, major things that helped me was I, we were church people, we were church folk. So I really, that's where I felt I belonged. And I think it's even gone a long way to help me just be stable and uh, find my identity through life, actually. You know, so find what makes you feel comfortable and be there. If it's, uh, if it's God, be there and stick to it. If it's your friends, be there and stick to it. If it's a certain activity or um, something that makes you feel safe, that makes you feel, um, you know, like you belong, you know, hey, why don't you go for it, you know, and uh, it will go a long way to help you with whatever transition um, that you're going through, um, you know, so um, that's, that's the, that's what um, I, I have to share from my experiences um, um, that I've had so far. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Alma, you have one minute to tell the world something. What do you want the world to know? Okay. So, well, um, what I want to share to the world is that everybody's special in their own way. You know, you can't judge somebody by their color, by their race. But, you know, as I said, everybody's special in their own way. You just just accept them as they are. And then, you know, be who you are. You know, accept who you are. You know, don't try and be like somebody else. You know, just know who you are, know your identity, and then move with it. And then never let anybody define who you are, you know. As, as you know who you are, then you move towards it. If you love reading, continue reading. If you love math, be a mathematician, but don't let somebody change who you are into something else that you never feel comfortable in. And I think that's what's helped all three of us. We stayed in our elements, we got to know our elements and we stayed in it and moved by it. And I think that's what has taken us 
to this point. So yeah, that's that's just how, what I want to share with everybody else. Awesome. Don't let anybody define who you are. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Hey, those are my absolutely lovely, beautiful, my everything sisters. Um, Alam and Elma, it will be hearing more from them kicking off um, this podcast by having a conversation with them. Um, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. And we will thank you, Uncle Eddie. More, and there's more to come. So, um, yeah. Hey. We'll definitely talk later. So, hey, you guys stay awesome.